0: A parent knows and loves their child more than anyone on the face of the earth. You love your boys more than anyone on this earth, more than any bureaucrat, any leader, any teacher, any administrator, anything. And you are charged with raising them and providing them with a high quality education. And you love them and you did that. Every single parent has that same wish.
1: Well, Mandy, uh, I'm really excited that you could join us on State House with Frank Santos. This is uh, an issue, um, and, and I, you've been doing education reform for a long time. Um, but the whole issue of what I feel like is um, an erosion um, or an assault on parental rights is a, is, is really uh, important to me. I, I've got two boys, and we've I've, they've I've taken them both through K through 12. They're now, you know, ones. Out in, you know, uh, in the Navy just recently, just went to Pensacola, started flight school. Congrats. Like, like Monday.
0: Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah,
1: Monday. And then the other one's in college and um, in Denver. But, you know, there was all these uh, incidents that occurred kind of in the, it's, it's, I know that this is not something that is new. But I started to notice it towards the, towards the end of their high school careers. And, and, and what it was is that I felt like the schools, the teachers, mostly the administration, uh, you know, felt like they had some more control over my own children and what they could, what they should see, what they should do. And, and um, then I did. And I I actually felt like when I walked into the school and I had to do this a couple of times, almost like I was in their way and um and i and I didn't appreciate it, and I've forever wanted to have the- a conversation about this and when i I had uh, John Colyandro on um we talked about uh, you know we talked about school vouchers um um or school choice, and afterwards we were talking about this issue and and you know he mentioned you, and i said, and I looked at you, and I was like, perfect, this is exactly what I want to talk about and and i, I there's a this one event and it it's sort of the thing it's It wasn't a huge deal, but it was sort of put things in perspective for me and I remember this is my second uh son, who's now in college, but he when he was in middle school which i and he was here in Westlake um but I remember that uh they would never really release them to do any kind of of the you know when it was Columbus day or any of those other things, or when it was veterans day that there was, there was kind of small events and so forth. But on the day they did something for the LGBTQ community, they made everybody leave class and go outside and participate. And I didn't particularly, you know, it's not particularly that it was LGBTQ. It's just that they're very selective and it seems like those are the kind of things. So you being here today is great because I really want to get your perspective on everything from sort of the school choice and also what's happening at the schools with um, you know the administration and how they're 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 kind of trying to steer our children in a, a certain direction. So thank you for tell, having me. Yeah, yes, absolutely. We can, <laughs> we
0: can talk about all of that. It is there is a lot to dive into for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, tell me, tell me a uh, give me a little bit of. How you've been involved in really this whole, currently since it's the hot issue, which is school choice. Yeah. Um, tell me where you know your organization and you are, have been involved in that right now.
0: Sure. So um, at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, where I'm the campaign director for Next Generation Texas. That's our education, K through 12, higher ed, and workforce development department, if you will, um, we had been advocating for school choice, education, savings counts, education, freedom since our inception. So 39 years ago, we were founded on this issue because this has been an issue for decades. Now, what you're talking about just briefly ago, when you're talking about what you noticed here in Westlake, which is one of the, um, wealthiest zip codes in the entire state and entire nation, quite frankly. Um, A lot of this maybe didn't start 30 plus years ago, but it's been going on, particularly in our urban areas, in our low income areas where the majority of our minorities reside. So upon our founding, um, there was a push and a recognition that far too many children in our state were being left behind. And it wasn't just in Texas, it was nationally nationally. So 30-plus years ago, um, the very first school choice parental rights program was passed in Milwaukee, and it was specifically passed in that city because their education for those low-income, particularly minority kids, was just so terrible. It was just terrible. There was just—it's it's what we're seeing right now in Baltimore, Maryland, right, where literally right. not one child passed their mathematics exam. <laughs> like, ridiculous. It's crazy. So— There was actually a push by parents. Um, And I say this all the time. This issue transcends race. It transcends uh, partisan political politics, all of it. A parent knows and loves their child more than anyone on the face of the earth. You love your boys more than anyone on this earth, more than any bureaucrat, any leader, any teacher, any administrator, anything. And you are charged with raising them and providing them with a high quality education and you love them. And you did that. Every single parent has that same wish. Yeah. And so, you know, 30 plus years ago in Milwaukee, those parents who realized our kids are getting short into the stick here, there's something wrong. We need better options. And they fought for it. And it, so it passed there. Um, and then gradually, the more and more momentum, and then you get more and more data, and you see how incredible just offering options. Yeah. But if it's not only the child that whose parents uses those options, but quite frankly, the entire system. So we're at 30-plus years later, and um, Texas has really been an outlier, unfortunately, yeah. for um, conservative states. But just the entire nation in the sense that thirty one other states plus District of Columbia have some form of private school choice. And it is
1: surprising that we're just now well, we haven't just now dealt with it. It's try they've tried.
0: Here's let me so this is I'm gonna go down the kind of the reason why if you want to go down that rabbit hole. I know we've got a lot to talk about. So I get asked that a lot. Okay. We have our leaders Um, In the state. So Governor Abbott is a warrior for parents. If anybody has looked around, that man is leading this charge like no one I've ever seen across the country. And I've been in in advocating for parents for over a decade. So this is uh, not—never have we seen— um, a governor lead like he has. Now don't get me wrong, there's a lot of amazing governors that are doing amazing things to push sure. this across the line, but I'm saying this man has been out in the districts talking to not just legislators, but parents educating them and all of that. But what's going on is, Texas educates 10 percent of our nation's children. Think about that. We are wow. a nation with 50 wonderful individual states. Our great state of Texas educates 10% of the nation's population. So if you're going to protect a market share, you're looking across the entire country, you're going to protect your interests in Texas, which is why national unions and education profiteers that benefit from a system that is controlled, that is a monopoly, that controls the money and the curriculum, you focus a lot of your time and energy in that place. And that is Texas. And it's why when I hear constantly people saying, Oh, we don't have unions here, we don't have that. Yeah. So whoa. <laughs> uh, if you've checked your mail recently, particularly if you're in those rural areas. Yeah you are inundated with unions and or associations that are led by individuals in Texas and many outside of Texas that are spreading falsehoods straight up propaganda to scare you into thinking that somehow our shared value as Texans and as Americans that freedom the foundation of our country that has made us the most prosperous and benevolent country that's ever existed on the face of the earth, that freedom for individuals to pursue what makes their lives better, their families better, that somehow that wouldn't ring true in the education space.
1: Yeah, exactly. And
0: that's what's going on here. That's why Texas has had such a difficult time because we have over 1,200 school districts. Okay, that means we have over 1,200 superintendents and over 1,200 assistant superintendents and deputies and then trickle, 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 trickle down, right? right? And that's why in Texas, we can look at the spending that is tracked by the National Center for Education Statistics, which is in the Department of Education that tracks spending all across the nation. And we can see that even when adjusted for inflation, since 1970, Texas has increased its per-pupil funding by 166%, okay? But at the same time, we've only increased our teacher pay since 1970, when adjusted for inflation, yeah. by 16%. That
1: makes, it makes no sense.
0: You're, it, it doesn't to a parent like you and I. Yeah, I have children. I have my oldest daughter is six years old. She's in first oh. grade in public school, by the way, people <laughs> that, don't really believe that um, it is. It's a fun age. And um, I want that money in my child's classroom. Yeah. I want Mrs. K to get paid for what she is pouring into my child and her classmates. Yeah. And she deserves to be rewarded for that. So we've created a system again, a monopoly That is more concerned with maintaining control and power and directing it to profiteers. And that's not just those within the system, the administrators. I'm not even just talking about those, those that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. I'm talking more than half a million dollars a year. Yeah. More than the president it's of the United like States. Kind of being a
1: coach for you know, a, 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 you know, you move around these these administrators. Just more move and more all over and more. This, yeah, then they move everywhere and they just get they just it's make small, more, more money. More, it's each time. wild,
0: and, yeah. and we incentivize great teachers to leave the classroom because we have capped. because they don't want to. They do not want to pay teachers more money. Yeah, it's intentional. So that's what we've got going on here. So it's really important so to shine the light on this.
1: I, I, this is a perfect point, and I. So we had great teachers. Yeah. Obviously, you know that you know the, the Eanes system is a Fantastic. great system, and Fantastic. there's a lot of great systems in Texas. There are. I just happen to live in the Eanes area, and right. you know I can't say enough good things about the educators. Absolutely, my mother was an educator, and but I do know that we spent um, a lot of time, particularly my late wife, a lot of time in the classroom, purchasing things. Helping out, they never had enough of everything they needed, and yet they still were giving this incredible education, and always got the blue ribbons and all right. that stuff. And so I, you know, when, when we say it, when, when we just mentioned you say it's intentional, I'm wondering, you know, why is it intentional not to give teachers the money that they deserve? Is it because that money is being siphoned off to to do other projects in that that make the district look cool or you know what is it you know a new new stadiums or
0: that's that's some of it um so it's a couple things and so yes they're spending money on a lot of things that would be deemed rather um grandiose
1: yeah not education
0: (laughs) right we've got a 35 million dollar football stadium at melissa high school for i think there's 1300 kids Oh: God. And, and granted, they're, they're a property-rich area, and I understand, but, but also, at the same time, they're not giving their teachers the pay raises. They're, so there, there is a misalignment, And yes, there is this competition amongst districts to one-up. Let's look at a non-property-rich district. Let's go to La Jolla ISD. They now granted, they got caught, but the money's gone. They spent 20-plus million dollars on a water park. For their school not a swimming pool y'all a water park which of course then ended up with years and years of litigation but that money's gone it's, it's gone, gone to developers Spent. those profiteers remember when you look at who funds a lot of outside of taxpayer funds there is a lot of taxpayer funded lobbying that is utilized to advocate against the taxpayers and the parents but when you look at others there's a lot of money in construction and builders, and there's a lot of money in architecture, and there's a lot of money in curriculum development. There's you're, we're here in Inns ISD. I'm pretty sure I just read that they have a new fleet of fifty fancy new Teslas. Yes, they do. Uh huh. I mean, yay! <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm sure that salesman that made that deal got a nice, pretty penny yeah, he off did. of it.
1: Whoever it was, did uh-huh, a good job. Uh-huh.
0: So I think well the whole that-
1: procurement issue and I've had, you know, full disclosure, I've had clients, um, never, they were never construction clients when I mean, they were using materials and different sure. things like, you know, learning ally used to be a client of mine. Sure. And, um, but that whole process is really kind of, it, it's, 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 it's a weird process and I didn't like it it's to be honest gross. with you. It's pretty it's gross.
0: gross. It's gross. It
1: is. And I, and I, um, and so I wonder about how that procurement process mm-hmm. works because You know, when we talk about some of these bigger projects, is that always made through the, the, at the board level or is it, does it go up to the TEA level? I mean, it's
0: it's usually made through the board. Most of them, it's made through the board. A lot of it is, you know, good old boy backroom dealing. I'm going to give you an example. I'm in the middle. Um, I say I, not I, there is a group of people that are constantly watching and trying to pay attention and, um. There is Palestine ISD. They just built a new, somewhere between five and twenty million dollar baseball stadium slash athletic facilities. Okay, Correct. I don't have a problem with that. No, but I do think the public needs to see the bids. I do think they need to see the actual breakdown of the expected costs and the real costs. Because you see, we keep going and saying our kids need this and our kids need that. And if you're like me, I will crawl over glass, as every parent does, to give their child what they need to get a great education. Yeah. They will. And that's wonderful. And there is a marketing exploitation of our innate desire to do for our children. And therefore, parents and taxpayers are exploited convinced to spend massive amounts of money, not just within, for example, the budgets that are passed right now within the legislature, but at Texas Public Policy Foundation, we have so many incredible minds that work on the policy side of things, particularly in taxes. And one of our um, leaders, James Quintero, he uh, posted something recently where all these bonds passed recently. And and he did a quick uh, analysis of, What that did to those local areas. So the governor and the legislature just fought to pass the largest property tax decrease ever. That's right. $18 billion. Amazing. Texans should be thrilled. Okay. So then people, parents, Texans were marketed to and convinced to spend billions of dollars on bonds. Billions. I'm gonna give you an example. Prosper ISD. Two point eight billion dollar bond. Parents were furious. That's it's crazy. It's crazy. A year and a half ago.
1: Just for the Prosper ISD. Yes.
0: I don't even know what it was. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. They're fi- I mean, it, there were so many bonds. If I had my computer, I could pull it up and tell. I mean, like, it was wild. And he was just pointing out because he's smart and can figure all these numbers out. And he's like, there goes their decline. There goes their decline there. I mean, like, it was just, it, it was crazy. And it's, and that's where I go back to these profiteers. Mothers and fathers will do anything for their children. Texans will do anything for our collective whole children. That's why I'm fighting for school choice, is because I am tired of seeing more and more money spent with less and less accountability. But more important than that, I am tired of seeing thousands upon thousands of our children the children that are out in the world with your children now, your young men soon in 15, 20 years with my children that have been woefully underprepared for life. Yeah. They okay. cannot read on grade level. They cannot do math on grade level. Let me give you another statistic. The T paired data from 2019 that tells us how kids there's there's a whole lot of information the Texas Public Education Information Research it tells us what kids are doing 2019 pre-pandemic I like to go back to pre-pandemic stats because anytime I don't if I tell say, talk, if I yeah, shine a light on what's it's... going on now they're like by the pandemic and I'm like well I told you not to shut schools I don't know what to say here but let's let's go pre-pandemic I'll play okay. that game okay the data told us that we graduated over 355,000 Texans out of Texas public schools. Yay. Hooray. That sounds great. Let's not go look at the TEA test scores to see how many could read or write on grade level. We'll, we'll just we'll ignore that. But let's go and see. Because the main purpose of education, right, is to ensure that our children are prepared to launch and be happy and successful and yeah. thriving. We want our children to be better off than we are. Every parent wants that regardless exactly. of race, income, anything. Okay. So we look at that data from 2019 and we can see that of the 355,000 plus kids that we graduated, six months later, a full 32% of those kids were not in the workforce. They were not in the military and they were not in higher ed. Yeah. They are lost. They are out protesting for Craziness for terrorists like Hamas. Yeah. They are in their mama's basements watching TikTok videos or whatever. I don't know what they're doing. I think
1: it, both, both those of those things it, are but, but know, pretty high percentage. Of.
0: We are not preparing them. And just because we say, oh, you graduated, here's your certificate. If we are being honest with ourselves, we are failing to prepare kids. And, and let's we dig into the granular data even more, particularly young boys. Yeah, and I have a son. Yeah, and so that hits me really hard because everything about our system now—talk about girls' achievements—and and, and that's—I I also have two daughters, so yay for girls. Oh boy, so you got it all. <laughs> I do, and I'm so blessed. So I can see both sides of it. But I look at our young men, many of whom don't want or need to go to a four-year college, no, or get a humanities degree. You know, a lot was, of men want to work.
1: That's a great. It's that's a great point I was just thinking about this as as we were preparing for this uh, for this podcast and I thought to myself you know and I had to work overtime you know to make sure my boys got what they needed and mm-hmm. you know boys need a lot of um confidence building and a lot of things that that, that kind of get ignored because yes. you think they're boys they don't need that you know let's let's you know just Put them in football, you know, or whatever. They that's, also
0: have lots of energy. They have a lot of
1: energy. <laughs> that's what yes, I've learned. That. That's right. But my, they, my daughters
0: are the oldest, my son's the youngest. And so it, it was a shock.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's off the charts. Yes. But you but they but they also uh they need that, uh they need the nurturing and they they really need it. They, they need it more than they'll say they need it. Huh. But I was thinking about this whole issue about preparing them and what they need in the four-year college issue you just mentioned. I think that's so important because so I look at all the friends of both of the friend groups of both of my, 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 sons, they were, they were both in, they were in sports, but they were also, um, did a lot. They were, did well in ac- academics, but, um, there were some of their friends that were never going to go to college. It just wasn't for them. That's okay. But there what you know, it used to be back in, in the day now I, they had shop class mm-hmm. and they were preparing them. And it sounds, you know, nowadays everybody got shop, but you know, they were preparing them for there's the jobs that are out there that make a lot of money. You want to be a welder or if you want to, you know, be a plumber, you want to be an electrician. You, those are well-paying jobs that do not require you to have a four-year college education, which is going to be inflated That's because right. the university, you know, the cost of university education right now is just off the charts. When when Texas A&M University can just randomly to say, okay, we're going to pay that $75 million by Jimbo. And yet still they show up at appropriations committee hearings, which I've done for years. I've, you know, being a lobbyist for 30 years, I've been in those hallways and they're all there wanting more money. That's right. But then the tuition still goes up. Mm-hmm. Now there's something very wrong about the everything from K through 12. And then the, the university, it, there's a, there's a serious problem. And I think you're probably hitting it. Right on the head, the profiteers in the education system are sucking that money dry, and the people who are actually supposed to be providing the thing they need most, which is preparation for their life after school, are not getting it, are not getting anything. And that's teachers.
0: That's that's it. So can we we go down the workforce development angle a little bit? Absolutely. Because, so it is something that is... Crazy, but I'm going to tell you what happened again. Let's shine a light on what's going on here because you say that you know about the appropriations. Okay. So there's something called the federal Perkins grant, and that is for career and technical education. Okay. So let's, there is $1 billion a year from the federal level that's sent out across our country to different states to facilitate CTE, career and technical education. The shop class that Mm -hmm. you mentioned. Mm -hmm. That sounds great and worth it. Let's talk about Texas. Texas says we got manly men here in Texas that want to work in those jobs that make a good paying wage. that They can sustain their families. They can be happy. Yes, let's do that. We're going to one up you all because we're Texans, right? We're going to spend $3 billion in Texas. And that's what we do. But here's the problem. All those lobbyists and all those special interests and all those associations showed up at the Capitol and they're, they're nice suits, sometimes they're real colorful. <laughs> and I know some of those people.: Uh-huh. And they convinced legislators that that three billion dollars is great, but we're still underfunded in K through 12. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give three billion dollars for CTE, but we're only going to force them to use 55% of it to actually do CTE programs. Now, what does that do? Those are called perverse incentives or negative externalities or foolishness. That's what that is. Because what that did was that incentivized those decision makers, those profiteers to figure out how they could do as little. Of course. To... Get that money and use it how they wish. So that is where we see significant declines in shop classes, in all those classes. And we see massive declines in Microsoft Office certifications, which take about three days to actually do and are barely useless. Um, That's where we see um, a massive jump in things like floriculture, if you will that's designing flowers. Now, don't get me wrong. I really love when I get a beautiful bouquet of flowers, but how many floriculturists do we need to train or things like, um, nursing assistants, those that can change bedpans. Uh, There is nothing wrong with that, but how many kids do we need to push into that? Why have we stripped away? See, what I'm going with this is it's cheap to offer those classes. Yeah. It's very cheap. But you don't have
1: to have a specialist. You don't, you don't need don't a shop.
0: Have... You don't need. But, and here's also the problem, is we know, we've done the research, that 90% of Texans, including rural Texas, are within a 30-minute drive of certification programs and or a community college.
1: I'll say that stat one more time.
0: Ninety percent of Texans are within a thirty-minute drive of career in, or of a career and technical college, a community college, or a certification programs. Okay. Why that's important? People will go, but there's dual enrollment. Okay, so you said you've been up there when the when the colleges come, including oh, yeah. the community colleges, which just this year showed up and said we're six hundred million dollars short. Help us. The problem is, is because when you talk about dual enrollment. The people that set the reimbursement for that is the ISD. So a lot of these schools that want to offer certain courses, they can't financially afford to, or when they do, they're going in the hole. Because all of this is controlled by the system, and it's all designed... To maintain the power at a certain level and remove the choices and the respect for individuals and parents. Now, I'm not saying there aren't some great career and technical colleges, or excuse me, career and technical education training programs. You know, someone that I've met with and talked to about why that the career and technical education would be so important. And I pointed out to Representative Keith Bell that, as you noted, um, we have a massive workforce gap. Here in Texas, our those industries that again mostly go to males, they are underprepared, understaffed. They cannot find workers. Oh. We are projected. We have they the don't data. Have a leg
1: up, coming out of school. Well, we that's it. Unlike
0: and... a lot of other civilized countries that say, you know, if you're in tenth grade and you're like, I don't want to do that, they say, good job, you don't have to. We've got this four year college for all mentality. Again, the system. Let's direct kids to take out $200,000 and get a degree. They'll never
1: pay back. They'll
0: never pay back. And let's get a degree in underwater basket weaving and share our feelings a lot. And they're stuck. And, and you, you trap them in this system. And that's what has happened for decades. So where I'm going is we have the data that shows that in Texas right now, we are projected by 2030 to be short 6,000 plumbers, 4,500 HVAC workers, Four thousand welders, five thousand oil and gas field workers, and ten thousand electricians. And I can keep going down on telling yeah, sure. you what the shortage is. Again, that, male that's dominated Texas, fields. It, it's crazy. It's it,
1: crazy because that that has always been such a huge part of, of the workforce in yes. Texas. And and you know, all of a sudden, where are they going? You know?
0: The, the 32% that's in mom's basement on TikTok or whatever they're doing. But so you <laughs> see how all this, it's it's like a spider web, but it's all connected, right? Yeah. It's all connected. And so I, I sat down with Representative Keith Bell and we were talking about this, and and he has done a phenomenal job. I will give him a pat on the back and praise because in his district, uh Fourney ISD has a great electrical program. Now Keith Bell owns a really, really successful electrical company. And I think that's amazing. Yep. I think more districts. I would love for him to go, we're going to pass these education savings accounts and I'm going I'm to allow my company to partner in different locations with whether it's ISDs, that's fine. Or whether it's yeah. with community colleges, or maybe he just wants to set up the Keith Bell school for electric electricians. I don't care what it is. An individual should be, if you have the experience. But my point is, is that that's his district. That's it. Yeah, It's awesome. We're still projected to be short 6,000 electri- right. I mean, or Excuse me, 10,000 electricians. Of, that's right. Yeah, there's, that's right. We have to, we cannot legislate a good education. We can't. We try. We keep trying to put, we try, we try, we keep trying to, we outlaw this and introduce that and change this and da-da-da-da. And that's great. Yeah. But we have to provide a mechanism for parents who know and love their children best, whose children are in school right now, who maybe are not getting the education that they need. That the parent is empowered.
1: Yeah. I'm just going to say that. That's
0: it. And that's why all of this matters. And what we can see across the country by looking at data, because this is not a novel idea. No. We can see that just introducing choices, just saying we're returning the power back to the parents to direct where their child's education is and therefore direct how funding is used... It incentivizes the entire system to get better. We can look at Florida. Florida's a great example. You know, I've talked a lot about those kids that are the ones that are left behind. You, your children and my children, they're going to be great. They're going to be fine. We're putting them in excellent public schools. Yeah, They're fine. And they're we gonna,
1: have the means to do we it. We
0: have the means to do it, to pick up and move to areas that we can live in to do this.
1: Thanks for joining us on this episode of House. You can find this podcast anywhere you find your podcast today. If you like our program and you want to see more, please subscribe. Like it, share it with others. If you've got a comment, leave us a comment. Anything that makes us better, we appreciate. And we really appreciate, if you like it, to give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.